Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast, where each week you will hear topics related to women of faith and entrepreneurship who are cultivating lives of impact that will one day lead to a legacy. My name is Shelley Tyson, and I will be your host each week as we chat with other women who are navigating business, faith, parenthood, and a lot of other topics that relate to building lives that glorify God and serve others abundantly. I hope you enjoy today's episode and are encouraged as you intentionally choose to live a life of impact that will one day lead to a legacy impacting generations to come. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to introduce my guest, Becky Kapitsky, to you today. Becky is a new friend of mine. And right before I hit record, we were connecting over things that had nothing to do with entrepreneurship, but just (laughs) so sweet to see how God has connected our paths and a lot in common, including, I I believe, a love of chocolate, which we could do a whole episode probably on. Could we? Let's just toss out everything else. Let's just talk about chocolate. If all else fails, we we mostly have that in common. I know a lot of you listeners can relate, but we are going to be getting into a lot of fun things today that I believe are going to be so valuable for so many of you listening. I'm going to let Becky tell a little bit more of her story with you, and we are going to get into the nitty gritty of being a woman of faith and the entrepreneur world and being a writer. And then how do you get your product out to the people that you can serve all the things? So welcome, Becky. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Shelly. I'm so happy to be here. I'm having fun already. So it's going to be a really fun conversation. I can tell. Yes. So tell me a little bit about what you do, where you live. I know that you and your husband have two daughters and that is part of your story too. So take us into a little bit of your world. Absolutely. I do. I am mom and wife first and foremost, and I've built a business around the family so that the two are not pitted against each other, but one serves the other. And so my daughters are now in their older years. So I have an almost 15 year old and an almost 12 year old. And I started as a blogger. You could have called me a mom blogger at the time. Some people still call me that, but it was when my kiddos were little and I felt the call to serve people with my writing. And out of that came a business. It was unintentional at first, I think, but I just wanted to serve people by writing. And I wanted to eventually publish books. And God has given me the opportunity to do that. I now have three traditionally published books under my belt. I've got more projects in the works. But through that, I have learned a thing or two about how to keep my ministry sustainable. And Mm. that's where the business end comes in. But my Mm. husband, Chad, and I are both entrepreneurs. We both work from home. And our daughters, when they're at school, we are at our computers or we're meeting with people. And then when they come home, uh, we're, you know, into mom and dad mode. But I have two office dogs that sit here with me and keep me company all day long. So I apologize in advance if the Amazon truck comes and they start barking. (laughs) Well, you have two office dogs. I currently have three out of my four children homesick today. So who even knows what could happen? (laughs) But no of flexibility and so, so thankful for that. And I know that that is part of your story and being able to see how God has woven that into your life of being, having family as your priority. And I just love how you have been able to weave those together and then be able to use that as a a platform to be able to help others who truly desire to have that as well. So how did you become passionate about writing books? I know that blogging is one thing, but books are kind of a whole another thing. So how did that transition happen for you? That's a great question. I started as so many other people did back in, for me, it was back in 
2011 and blogging was popular already by then, but I, I went to a conference and I, I wanted to know how do I use my words? I felt a call to write and I wanted to know how, uh, in, in what way, how can I best serve people? Is God even calling me to write? I needed to affirm that call. I've always enjoyed writing, but Shelly, as you and I were talking earlier before we hit record, my background is actually in music. And so I, but I've always loved writing. And so for me as a songwriter, it was using the words, the lyrics were the most special to me. So I started really out of desperation as a young mom, diving into the word to figure out how do I deal with some of these challenges? And then I would write reflections or you could call them devotions. And one day I shared some with my Bible study at the request of my Bible study leader. And I was amazed at how the other women resonated with what I had written. And that's when I realized that sharing truth through scripture is a ministry to people in itself, to be real, to give them an an opportunity to be real with their struggles and then looking to scripture for solutions, for encouragement. And I realized that writing could do that. So I went to this conference and they said, this is what you do. You start a blog because that was the advice 10, 12 years ago. And from blogging, I just had a desire to serve people, to work through my own challenges, to serve other people. And from there, God brought opportunities to write books. From the books, he gave opportunities to speak. And that was really the launch pad for me realizing I had started not just a ministry, but a business. Because as you know, Shelly, as we run online ministries, expenses incur. And yes. suddenly we're in the position of having to keep a balance sheet of what's going out versus what is coming in. And that's when I became passionate about business, which then led to business coaching, because I don't want people to have to stumble the way that I did along the way. I love that you're bringing up that point because I think that there is a difficulty and a tension with defining ministry and defining business. And especially for women of faith, it feels like there is a tension. And I would love to hear your your thoughts on this as you've walked Mm -hmm. through this particular topic yourself and now helped clients through that. Do you feel that there is a tension there or do you feel that the two can really work in harmony together? I believe that the two are designed to work in harmony together. And this has been my challenge all along. And it's a challenge now I coach my clients in. This idea of ministry versus business, I think is erroneous because it's ministry merges with business because ministry happens in a world economy. It's where God has placed us. And if you read through, of course, the Proverbs 31 woman, one of my favorite women, right? She didn't, she did it all, but she didn't do it all at once. But I, I park on passages like she made sure that her trading was profitable. Therefore, she must have had a trade happening, right? right. And so I think often the clients that I come a- across, people who come to me for encouragement and for help are stuck in the idea that if it is ministry, then it must be free. Yes. And if it is ministry, you must not profit from the gospel. But there's a very big difference between business, God-honoring business, and profiting from the gospel. Profiting from the gospel, if you do really research the portion of scripture where that comes from, it had to do with false teachers who did not have the proper motivations, weren't actually preaching real Jesus. And for those of us who have been called to ministry as a business, it's a very different scenario. And so I look at it as if God has called me to writing or speaking or product development, whatever it may be, if he has called me to it, then I need to treat it as a vocation. Similarly, if he had called me to be a dentist, if he had called me to work at Starbucks, no one would question whether or not I was getting a paycheck for that job. 
but because he has called me instead to speak into women's lives through books, through speaking, and now through coaching, because God is attached to it, there's this misconception that there should not be any money exchanging hands. To which I say, have you ever bought a, a Bible? Have you ever bought a Bible? Have you ever bought a VeggieTales CD, you know, DVD? Back right now we stream, right? Now we live stream. Yeah, yeah, back yeah. when my kids were little, it was we bought the DVDs. Or does the pastor earn a salary? Does the church keep the lights on through an electric bill? There is a faith-based commerce. There's a faith-based industry, and we're already a part of it. And as long as we're using biblical principles to honor God with the way that we create a fair exchange of goods or services for money, then the worker deserves his wages. So I think there should be more faith-based businesses out there, more businesses whose vocation is to share the love of God. And that's where I like to encourage women to have that shift. I don't even like to say mindset shift because so much of the term mindset is used in secular business training. So for me, I think of it as taking every thought captive. Mm -hmm. And when I hear those lies in my head that you shouldn't be charging for this, well, I want to discern what of that is God and what of that is, again, a misconception based on how other people have criticized or my own misinterpretation of scripture. So I'm always letting God be in the lead for how do I run a business that honors him? I love that idea of flipping it on its head and really saying, holding it up to the light of scripture Mm -hmm. and, and holding it up and saying, is this true? And is this in harmony and in agreement with what we see as the scriptural model, instead of trying to take exactly what you said, the kind of secular mentality and mindsets, and then trying to square that with your beliefs. And that's where the waters get muddy and it gets really difficult for those of you who are listening and not watching this video. I want to come out of my chair and just say, preach it, preach it, preach it. Because this truly is, I think when you can begin to see how this aligns so beautifully with scripture, that is where the freedom comes to really be able to use what God has given you to steward it so well, to serve others and then get that thank you money in return and see it as being just that. Um, And, and we both know from science, it's proven that people do value what they pay for. And so there is that element of, if you want people to truly experience the best benefit that they can from what you're offering, then having some sort of skin in the game is, Mm -hmm. is going to be the first step to that. So anyway, we could go on and on and on about that for a whole episode, (laughs) but as you were transitioning from blogging to writing books, what were some challenges beyond just your belief process about ministry versus business that, that came along the way as you were making that transition? Mm, Well, I realized that I was growing, not just a ministry, but a business and it had expenses a publisher has expectations for growing an audience. In order to grow an audience online, as you know, I needed tools, I needed strategies, and those came with a price tag. I needed certain online platforms. I, at one point, had to hire, didn't have to, but chose to hire someone to help with my social media as I was trying to grow an audience so that I could usher my books into the world. My expenses climbed. And I had to look at that as a math equation and say, okay, is this a hobby or is this a business? Because if it's a hobby, then it makes perfect sense for me to be spending my family's budget on this work. But if this is a business, then I ought to be, I I ought to be responsible in the, in the sense of good stewardship to generate back some income to cover the costs. So my husband and I actually had a, a real heart to heart 
and said, is this your hobby or is it your business? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, at one point I had multiple published books out there and, and he would still joke with me that book writing was my hobby because ah. the business surrounding it was costing us so much money. And I reached a point where I realized to be a good steward of what has been granted to me and to honor my family, I needed to generate a return for what I was pouring out because it wasn't just pouring out my time. It wasn't just pouring out my energy and my love for the people I was serving. I was pouring out family income. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to figure out a way to earn that back. And so that was a big challenge for me is realizing as my audience grew, as my opportunities grew, so too did my expenses. And there became a need to cover those again in a God honoring way, not for the sake of becoming wild and rich. Again, the world's voice would say, it's all about acquiring more. For me, I wanted my ministry to be sustainable. And in order to do that, I needed it to be financially viable so that I wasn't getting burnt out or my family wasn't getting burnt out on the idea that here mom is again, pouring all of her time into something that's not generating a return to the family financially. Right. So, and again, burnout has, it's not only related to finances. It can be where you put your time and where you put your energy. But if you put your time and energy into something that generates a, a blessing back in terms of income, suddenly we're more motivated to continue yes. doing it. Yes. Yes. And I love that you're bringing out this practical side too, because I think we've a lot of times can talk around the subject a lot and we don't really put legs to it to say there is a, an element of reality that it takes money to live. And there's also an element of when you are becoming poured out, offering so much of yourself from a time and energy and resource perspective, if there is a depletion there and never refilling like you said, whether it's time or energy or even just tangible resources, then there is a wisdom element of stewardship that says, is this sustainable for the long term? Which yes. I love that word because yes. God is in it with us for the long haul. He is working a whole plan of redemption across history. He is about sustainability and he wants that for us as well. And so I, I it models that right. Even in it our businesses. Does. What does this look like though? No. Um, at this point, you know, you, you realized, okay, I need to have an ROI. I need some, a return on investment. What did that look like for you when you finally sat down and said, this is a business I need to treat it as such. Mm. I will tell you, I struggled with it at first because I still, i had a conversation with the Lord at one point and I reached, uh, reached a point in my blogging, writing, author career, where I, I really wrestled with God. And I said, Lord, why have you brought this to me? If only to drain the family. And I truly believe he, he impressed on my heart at the time. I never promised you an income from it. I called you to it, but I never promised you an income. And I had to wrestle with that and say, you know what? You're right. Even if there was never any return, I would still do what you called me to do. I absolutely would. And then a series of events transpired and I was introduced to some training related to monetizing a blog, related to um, online advertising. And God started stirring something new in me and I wrestled with it because it had to do with establishing a business out of the ministry. And I thought, but wait, I had heard God tell me I never promised you an income. And so I wrestled with that. I thought this must, this must be sinful. This, I, I've got to set this aside. And so I met with a very godly mentor of mine. And she looked at me and she said, 
Becky, I think you're being called. I thought she was going to criticize me and say, no, you cannot love God and money. But she saw through it. She saw the heart in it. And she said, I think you're being called to raise up a business through your ministry. And it sounds beautiful to me. And that made me stunned in my seat. And I thought, wait a second, God, I just heard you say you never promised an income. But I reached a point where I accepted that. And then God said, all right, now I'm going to open some doors and show you how you can generate one. And that was just my own personal experience. But what does that look like practically? I got training. I decided to be wise about investing money in order to make money because I wanted to be a good steward. There are plenty of free resources out there. We can, we can spend all day long looking into the free resources, and that is great. But I wanted to be truly intentional about my time. And so I got some one-to-one coaching. I took a particular online course and I got guided training from people that I trusted. How do I take what I'm doing now and turn it into a business? So I learned product development. I learned sales funnels. I learned social media advertising. I pulled all of that together and was able to generate then for me, my particular form of monetization is digital products. I used the training. I applied it. I practiced it. And I saw success on the other end of it, all the while praying and God grew it. I knew, I know it was God's hand in it, but for me, the first step was getting training. And I, and what does it look like to earn an income? There are a lot of strategies, a lot of ways you can do it. A lot of ways you can use your online ministry uh, to reach people and make a business of it. For me, I chose digital products and that's the way that I grew and I was trained and I came out the other end realizing you can honor God with the way you serve people and offer. So I continue to offer free content. My free content is my blog. My blog will always be free. It will always be free. I took a little hiatus from it as I was doing this business training, but people can always access my blog for free. I'm often, I speak for events where maybe the organizers are paying me, but the people can attend for free. There's always going to be some aspect of the audience reaching me for free because I believe in serving people. But there's also this aspect now that has to generate that return. And so I have found that when people truly value what you have to offer, they're not just willing to pay for it. They're excited to pay for it. They're thankful that you have provided a solution to their problem that they can pay for. And that's been the incredible journey for me. The lesson for that in me is that it's not bad to sell something. It's actually a blessing to the person on the other end. It's a blessing to the customer. Yes, That's been mind blowing for me. And have you found that through understanding funnels and understanding how you can leverage those that you are actually able to serve more people and get the solution to more people, which isn't that the heartbeat of so many business owners of that, that's what gets you up in the morning to do the daily grind, because you know that there are people, you see the faces of the people out there who desperately need what you have to offer. So is that, has that been your experience as well? That's been huge, Shelly. You just put, you said it exactly. That is so spot on. And now I understand, particularly in, in my strategy of digital products, my emphasis is on reaching more people in less time, more people yes. in less time. So for me, it's about automation and, and scalability. How can I multiply myself in ways that I can't actually physically? Because there's one of me, I have 24 hours a day. 
I could serve people one-on-one. I still believe that's very important. But what scaling a business does, it is it enables me to open up my time so that I'm able to serve those people one-on-one and still generate an income from the business that is also serving a multitude of people. So I find that in using sales funnels and automated systems to reach people, to serve them with a product, to invite them into a real-time coaching community if they want more high touch. But I found that that is what has made the, the biggest difference in my ability to reach more people and spread what God has called me to do. So it's not, and it's not about numbers. I'm not saying it's about numbers in that you know, I, I need to have a thousand more people in my program. There are stats and data is very important, right? And there are goals and there are projections we need to make. But for me, every single one of those people is a soul. Every single one of those people is someone that God has called. In my case, I, I serve other writers and speakers. God has called each of them to a ministry, to a calling, to a business. And if I can help them grow that and multiply their own audiences, then imagine how exponentially that is going to make an impact for the kingdom. And that's what the business strategies have enabled me to do. And I'm just, I'm constantly humbled by how God brings people to me who are grateful for what I'm able to provide for them so they can grow their own ministries. So humbling. And and I'm very grateful for it. So absolutely serving more people in less time in a way that I, as one person, am not able to do had I, were I offering more one-to-one That's the beauty of technology, right? Of how the world of online business has completely changed and is continuing to change and understanding how we can leverage that as believers to expand the kingdom is so incredibly exciting. It is. God has given us that opportunity that we could leverage something like that for him. Just absolutely incredible. So you've mentioned so many ways that God has just shown his faithfulness over and over and over through this whole journey of really being able to pivot and embrace the tools that God has given you to be able to serve a wider audience. If you could go back and maybe tell your blogger self way back in the mid two thousands, if you could (laughs) tell her anything, what would you tell her? I would tell her, first of all, get good training. Mm -hmm. Don't try to figure it all out on yourself. But uh, honestly, then I would tell her, it is okay to look at this as a marathon and not a sprint. There are ways that this is going to grow you and this is going to challenge you and embrace those because I have grown closer to the Lord. My character has been built so much through my journey of serving other people and growing a business out of my calling. And so I would say embrace, embrace it and don't be so worried about the days that seem like everything's going wrong. If I could, I couldn't even count for you the number of days I wanted to quit. If I could go back and tell that girl that you're going to get past that bad day, you're going to get past that rough season. You're going to get past that failure because on the other side of that failure is a lesson that's going to bring you to the next step. Then I think I would have stressed out a lot less. Yeah. 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 I remember early on of launching cultivate, I was reminded of something that someone told me when I first became an entrepreneur and it was, you can quit but not on a bad day. And I think that that is such simple yet wise advice because there are going to be plenty of days where you want to quit, but you're right. That it's the character that's being built in the in-between seasons Mm -hmm. of God teaching you to persevere and to do the cultivating and the harvest will come in his time. And I think circling back to what you said earlier, when the harvest is souls of people, it doesn't matter if it's one or a million, 
it is 100% worth the effort and not having to trade your time for money, I think is such an important lesson here because when you are a wife and a mother, the souls underneath your house are so important. And if you can have a business and be able to serve exponentially and still have the margin to pour into the souls that are right in front of you, that is worth the effort. I love that advice. So I'm sure that our audience is dying to get in contact with you and find out how they can find out more about your services and how your resources can serve them. So how would they best do that? Thank you for asking. You can find me all the time at theinspiredbusiness.co. We are not a .com, we're a .co, C-O, and The Inspired Business is the name of this organization that I've developed to help encourage and bless other communicators, other Christian entrepreneurs, and how to specifically scale their businesses with digital products. Uh, But I love to connect with fellow entrepreneurs in the faith because we need to band together and encourage one another because our voices are needed for such a time as this. And I just love to see others living in their calling. And when we can do it together, I think God God is blessed. I just think, I have to think he's smiling at us that we are trying to honor him in the way that we conduct ourselves in this world. I love that. And then we are modeling him to others, which is the ultimate mission, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Becky, for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing the raw parts, the authentic parts, (laughs) the difficult parts, the wonderful parts. And I'm so excited for all of our audience to get in touch with you. And I'm going to sign off now. And we're probably going to talk for a long time y'all after this (laughs) about chocolate and things like that in the background. (laughs) Thank you, Becky. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. My prayer is that this episode today has encouraged you that wherever you are, wherever God has you walking, whatever season you're in, you can make an impact that will one day lead to a legacy impacting generations to come. If you would like to learn more about Cultivate and how you can continue making an impact in your home and in your business, you can check us out at cultivatelegacy.org or follow us on Instagram at cultivate underscore legacy.